What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Fosbon, and you are listening to part three of episode 12 of VGM Generations. And with me, as always, is Aaron Blauchuk. Hi. And Jordan Belinsky. Hi. <laughs> and in this series of episodes, we are talking about level one music, the first level. When you open the game, you get past the start screen, you get past the cutscene. Usually, we're talking about games that start up and it says level, level one, one, stage yeah. one, Generally. round one, no tutorial, round one, <laughs> round one, fight. Yeah, yeah. We haven't done a fighting game though. Yeah, Shaq Fu, remember? Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we need to do a not fighting for, game not for this series. We need to do like a fighting game month sometime. Yeah, yeah. no, maybe maybe next month we'll be fighting. Clay game. Fighter have good music. Yeah. The theme song was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Clay Fighter, Clay Clay Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to that yeah. next month. But uh, yeah, so it's Aaron's turn to go first. Oh, I get to go first. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not warmed up. Let's uh, talk about my thing then. The game I'm talking about. <laughs> my thing. <laughs> my thing. Don't talk about your thing. Just talk about some. Oh, well, I've got to change Speaking track Speaking of then. his thing. Yeah. <laughs> Time to change track then. Okay. Yeah. Let me get my second set of notes out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about a game that has, uh, the ga- a game that came out in 1994 and has since then been on every single system under the sun, transposed to everything. This game is called Earthworm Jim. You may have heard of that. Never heard Never of heard that. Never heard of that. No. I've heard but of Earthworm I'm Jim. specifically talking Earthworm about Jim. the original and best version of Earthworm Jim, which was the Sega Genesis version. As a Nintendo fanboy, <laughs> I will agree. Yes, because go. it was originally made for the Genesis yeah. and then ported to the SNES. Oh, really? Genesis I didn't was, know that. Yeah, Genesis was the original platform for that's, this. That's probably a pretty rare thing mm-hmm. in that era, right? When when Nintendo was still so dominant. Yeah, exactly. And that was such a, like, that's such a great thing. Like, Earthworm Jim is a super memorable platformer. He should have been the mascot for the system. Tell with you, Sonic, because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, Earthworm wow. Jim, Earthworm them, Jim them was a better game. Words, it was a better game. I agree, but... Super hard, yeah. though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely like, super hard. Cr- incredibly punishing. Yeah. But uh, one thing I really liked about that is, you know, as an animator, Earthworm Jim sort of had it all. It had that great um, FM chip soundtrack. It had just beautiful hand-drawn animation converted to pixels. So it had this awesome fluid stuff, great funny voice samples, a really goofy story, memorable characters. And, and it was, holds up today. Oh, absolutely. So good. As long as you don't play like the mobile version. Had cows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cow launched. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of cow launched, uh, I'm talking about uh, the first level of Earthworm Jim where you launch the cow. Yeah. And of course, if you people remember the game, you launch that cow and then it comes back like way later in the game to destroy... Somebody, an enemy, a boss. Was think, it the yeah. boss? Or, yeah. yeah. I think it's, yeah, the final boss. <laughs> yeah. And then the cow finally finally lands. But uh, the first level of Earthworm Jim was called New Junk City. And uh, this game was, I'm going to get some of the actual facts in there, was developed by Electronic Arts. And the music was by Tommy Tallarico. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or, did you did you not know that? No, I didn't know. Yeah. I did, well, I probably knew at one point, but yeah. I'd forgotten. But, yeah. And, and with Tommy Tellerico is that um, a lot of people sort of know him nowadays as kind of the founder of Video Games Live. Yep. He is a video games composer, but he kind of founded Video Games Live in order to bring video game music to people in live and in concert, yep. which is good on him, but I've seen him at Video Games Live, and I've seen him on uh, interviews and TV and... I was going to say, I'll <laughs> always know him and remember him as the host of the Electric Playground. Yeah. yeah. As a Canadian... <laughs> that's a that's a pretty historic show for that's kind of who he was for so long, right? Yeah. yeah, but he always came across to me, and I don't know. Feel free to argue with me on this that he's a bit full of himself. No, I don't think anyone's going to argue no. with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he just has uh, 
uh, a fun, goofy personality. And like, you know, of course, he's Maybe a it little, comes across a little abrasively. A little bit, but I also think he's just having fun. I don't think he's like totally full of himself. Yeah. But actually, I was listening to an interview with him, and I don't, I don't think I'm stealing your your facts here. I don't know if you had this. But <laughs> I have he, so few facts on this page. <laughs> I, I was listening to an interview with him. Uh, actually, it was him and uh, Victor Lucas from the Electric Playground, mm. and uh, uh, he was saying he holds the Guinness World Record for most amount of video games. Um, that he's been on 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 the team with. I think he has over 300 video games under his, his belt. His credits? To his credits, yeah. yeah. I can't yeah. believe Yet all I remember really? is Earthworm Jim. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you asked me how many games, I would say Earthworm Jim, yeah. Earthworm Jim 2, that, <laughs> that casino game you were talking about last yeah. month. <laughs> That's all and I know. Caesar's Palace, which he didn't work on that. He just... Well, you know. it was part of your story. <laughs> yeah, it was part of my story. He, he knew the guys who worked on... Oh, okay. Caesar's what was the Palace. JRPG that he was really involved with? That everybody. Um, oh, geez. Is it Golden Sun? Was it? He's involved in Golden Sun. I liked Golden Sun. That might Sun. not be right. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it was this big series, and he always we plays it. At, he always plays it at video games oh, live, he? and he's like, "This is my favorite game." And he he starts out on the acoustic guitar. God, and then we say, "Shut up, play Earthworm Jim." <laughs> <laughs> Actually, do, next do time they, I go, <laughs> does he play Earthworm Jim at any of his concerts? Yeah, I've heard them play Earthworm yeah. Jim. Have uh, you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, think I have. he played it by himself. He played something from Earthworm Jim by himself on electric guitar. Oh, okay. And it wasn't like the full orchestra. Yeah, like he that. just did it like was a just little him, solo. Right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, so that's all I got to say about Tommy Tallarico. Um, <laughs> my notes, again, once again, are very, very sparse. It just says here, the Genesis version is better, which I've already yeah. said. Genesis version is the good version. Yeah. Genesis I, has to have at least one or two games that are better than Super Nintendo. <laughs> we give, you, get, you get Earthworm Jim. And Aladdin. Oh, yeah. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of good exclusives, too. But, yeah, generally, I, I do have to admit, because this SNES was, you know, the dominant platform, it tended to get things first and oh. designed specifically. For Sorry, it. and Mortal Kombat 1. Oh, the yeah. blood. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Real yeah. Real blood. Of course. <laughs> Instead of the gray sweat nonsense. Gray sweat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, there are also, because uh, so many versions that came out of this, I, ju- I, I just found out not that long ago while I was doing the research for this, that uh, there was a Sega CD special edition of the original Earthworm Jim. Oh, that's cool. Which sounds awesome because it had improved music, like better instrumentation. It had more levels than the original. They actually had additional levels and it had more frames of animation. So they took all that awesome hand-drawn animation and they couldn't fit all the frames into the original version. So they went back, rescanned it, and then redid the animation with like more fluidity and more actual Wow, so it was like a proper remake. This is the the version you want to get. Which is ridiculous. I owned a Sega CD and I never knew this existed because I absolutely would have bought that. Maybe, I wonder how successful it it was. You can buy it now. I mean, uh, a copy of it on eBay. Okay. Uh, you can get it on eBay, like this the original Sega CD version on eBay for um, two hundred bucks oh. with with oh. the box. Just two hundred bucks. Just two hundred bucks. <laughs> it's one hundred bucks without the case. So okay. you want the complete copy with the case? And those Sega CD cases are terrible. They're like yeah. these enormous things. Then you you pay about a hundred bucks. And the special editions did later come out. I think you can actually get it on Steam, but they were always like only partial or incomplete because so many different versions came out and they all had different stuff. So you can get like it on Steam, but it doesn't have the extra levels. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Why wouldn't they just release the whole thing? You've got to wonder that because this this edition exists, but for some reason they've never replicated specifically this Sega CD edition in its entirety with all of the stuff that it's included. That's so weird. Why wouldn't Electronic Arts want to just put that out there and be like, hey, let's make some more money off this? Yeah. 
I don't know. Go figure. Game company is weird. It's kind of sad. I I mean, uh, there hasn't been any word. People have been like clamoring for a uh, Earthworm Jim sequel for long time. Ever? Yeah. He would make, make a great character for Smash. Oh yeah. He should. Oh, that would be great for <laughs> Smash. I feel, I feel like I I saw his name come across in a few online polls, but I don't know. Yeah. yeah but if EA still even owns the rights to the character of Earthworm Jim, you got to wonder. Like, <laughs> I doubt it. Like, they just buried it. I'm sure those rights expired a yeah. long time ago. And but, the company that made it, Shiny Entertainment, I don't even think they exist anymore. I think they. They've no been idea. gone for quite some yeah, time. Yeah, probably. I haven't heard. I haven't heard that name in a long time. <laughs> probably yeah, merged into some other company, just like most old game companies. Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting thing about Earthroom Jim too was that um, they what they wanted to do is they wanted to make um, a mascot franchise character that they could sell toys with. They really wanted to sell toys, and usually around this time in the uh, late eighties, early nineties, you wanted to sell toys. He made an animated series. But they decided instead of making an animated series, they'd make a video game first. The video game was the platform to launch this brand of Earthworm Jim. And an animated series did come out later. And so there were toys. There was an animated series. And I used to watch that series. It was yeah, actually, I watched it. It was great. It was pretty good. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, the one you're talking about, all the hand-drawn animation in Earthworm Jim. And the, uh, the thing I'll never forget is like the jumping animation. <laughs> how he would like go up in the air and then he would like slowly like start to fall down and the like the his like worm head would get like elongated <laughs> oh, and yeah. stuff. I'll never forget that because there was like trampolines and stuff in that game well, all you, over the place. You can tell by the way it was drawn clearly they had good animators yes. working on it. It, was, it wasn't necessarily video game people drawing it. It was clearly an animator that was doing it. Yeah. Well, one thing I loved about Earthworm Jim is like it had all those animations and just to sort of explain it if people don't know what Earthworm Jim is, it's about this earthworm. This super suit falls to earth and it lands sort of on this earthworm, which... <laughs> you know, gives him special powers. So now he's like a superhero. He's just a regular earthworm, essentially, with a super suit that gives him powers. And he has to... Does anyone remember the name of the uh, villain from that series? Was it Psychro? Well, Psychro was the or, henchman, I think. I don't okay, think that he was wasn't like the final not boss. Not the final boss. But Psycho was... Was yeah, yeah. Like was he the was, main, the main known villain? I, and I'm, I think I'm mixing this up with Ninja Turtles, but was wasn't <laughs> he um like in? Wasn't the main villain like kind of in something? Oh, you're thinking you Krang? Like Krang? I mean, well, it was <laughs> like Krang, but wasn't Earthworm's Jim's main villain similar? I don't think so. There were a no. lot of weird um, well, villains in Earthworm Jim. Like, uh, there was like a goldfish and there was... Yeah. You know, oh, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the goldfish. Yeah. Yeah, because he was, he was like in the uh, bowl and had to be like carried around yeah. all the time. Yeah. Was he the one that always said, there was one, I just like, I have this thing in my head where he's like, this ta-ra, this ta-ra, this ta-ra. <laughs> like, uh, that was one of the villains said that in Earthworm Jim all the time. I, I, that's like we're the thing that's burned into my memory. We're both looking at Mike like, what is what he are you talking about? about? That, was, yeah. that was a dream you had, Mike. I don't think. It might be, but I think that was, I think that was the goldfish. <laughs> that's pretty good. Bob and the Killer Goldfish. Bob the Killer Goldfish. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, back to this, the frames of animation stuff is that uh, he had all these idling animations as well that were really awesome. And that one thing I used to love is that he'd just do various things when he's idling like most do. He'd twirl his gun, that kind of thing. But every now and then he'd reach into his pocket and he would pull out a little tiny man. I think it was a little tiny Indian that he had in his pocket. <laughs> and sometimes he would just pull out this little Indian who would like, I don't know, wiggle around or something like that, do a little dance. And then he'd just stuff him back in his pocket. But every now and then he'd pull out this little Indian and then he would look at it and then he would eat it and then chew it up. And that was it. Like, wow. No idea why they included these weird animations in that's the game. That's super but weird. <laughs> that's just, it's just the color of Earthworm Jim. Yeah. 
I he, like he if if you're not familiar, I almost feel like it fits in the same vein as like Ren and Stimpy almost. Like, oh yeah, it's like, like a very nonsense sort of humor. Yeah, really over the top, goofy, a little a little crude, but but definitely fun. All right, so let's listen to the uh, first level music from Earthworm Jim. This is New Junk City. Super Nintendo version. I didn't even know there was a Super Nintendo version until a few years ago, and I picked it up. And the first thing I noticed, yeah, like the graphics not quite as good, and the sound was just like one of the few times that I'll, I'll say like it just sounded bad on Super Nintendo. Now I don't think Tommy Tallarico did the music for the Super Nintendo version. I think it was like some of it was the same music, but it was arranged by somebody else. Yeah, and that's that's the key point that it was arranged like it's the same songs. Yeah, but with the Super Nintendo chip that it wasn't designed for, mm. it just sounds bad. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that is something like we talk about that a lot is the rearranging or arranging of music. And I think it, it can it can either go really good or really bad. It can either it can either be improved when it's brought over sometimes, in some mm. cases where like it's taken from the NES to the Genesis or vice versa, or it's like totally wrecked yeah. when it's brought over because it's not handled properly. It's and it's like it's almost like 
the person doing it doesn't have a full and complete understanding of what they're working with. <laughs> well, to go way back in time on this, it's kind of like back in the early, early days of PC gaming when they first came out with Sound Blasters. Yeah. They had like the the Roland MT Blast and they had the AdLib Sound Blaster and there was like various Sound Blasters from different companies and they all they all had to have their own music for it. So even you'd have like the PC speaker sound, the like the Sound Blaster, the Sound Blaster 16 sound, the the Roland sound, like, and they oh, were wow. all different and all weird. And later on in life, I would go like searching for these songs. And if it wasn't from like the specific sound card that I had, it was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't listen to it. Well, because it just didn't sound right It just to didn't you, sound right. right. It yeah. just didn't have the same instruments. It just wasn't the same, especially when you had like MIDI songs that had like a different instrumentation and stuff like yeah. that. So. But to uh, roll it back to Earthworm Jim, so my Earthworm Jim story, the first time I ever played this game was, uh, this is something that's cool to talk about, is the Sega Channel. Do you remember the Sega Channel? Yeah, vaguely. The Sega Channel was a weird thing. It was um, it was kind of the f- world's first game subscription yeah, so, yeah. service. This was like pre-internet, but it was yeah, so this sort is, of online. Yeah, and technically it was, it worked sort of similar to an internet system, but they ran it over satellite and also over cable. Shaw uh, Cable, whose company we all work for, um, (laughs) did actually have it integrated and it did work on Shaw Cable for a time. And basically, um, Sega came out and said, like, there's so many games, you know, people always go to the rental store, you know, there's maybe some profit to be made there. And they uh, came out with this Sega channel. And what it was was, you basically got this special cartridge, you plugged it into your Genesis, you hooked up a cable line to it, like you would like a into phone the line. back of your TV. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, it oh, was co- actually like, like a coax, coax line. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You screwed in a coax line. and Into you, the cartridge? Into the cartridge, and you like booted it up, and you got connected to the Sega channel. This was so ahead of its time. Yeah, it was <laughs> super ahead of its time, and, and um, I think it died because it was just a little too expensive and not enough... Um, uh, like broadcasters were willing to support it. Like, huh. not uh, everyone did it. Like Shaw jumped on it, but I know a, a lot of others across Canada and the U.S. were like, "This is too complex. We don't want to integrate yeah. this." wasn't available. I think where I, I was living, I was actually living in Northern Alberta at the time, and they probably didn't even have access. They to may not have. Things. But um, yeah, this was this was like probably early mid '90s. Mm-hmm. So, or well, sometime after the Genesis came out, I guess. But um, yeah, and so you would hook this up and. I remember I got like somehow they were holding some event for it, like in my neighborhood and they were giving away like a one month free card. And so you like got the card, you called them, they sent you the package, you put typed in the code and you got a month for free. And then if you wanted to, you could like pay for the subscription. And uh, that was like the first time I played Vector Man. Uh, I played, um, I think it was the first time I actually played uh, Sonic with Knuckles was on that and I also played Earthworm Jim and I remember booting it up and like it was just like I remember I was so panicked when I got it because I was like oh I only have this for a month <laughs> and it was like I was just trying to get through as many games yeah. as possible Gotta but play Earthworm Jim was definitely one of those and I remember playing it and like I remember it being ridiculously hard and when when you it's it's kind of like that thing that happens now and it happened to me instantly where like you have such a vast library if you get stuck on something you're not like oh i'm gonna sit here and like see my mm-hmm. way through it i'm, I'm just gonna go to the next thing yeah you and gotta so, jump on a vector man you don't have time to beat level two or <laughs> exactly whatever. Yeah. exactly so 
that was my uh, that was my first introduction to Earthworm Jim and the, and the Sega Channel. And, yeah, and if uh, if you want more information, like go look up the Sega Channel. Well, it was revolutionary for its time, and the the old ads are still out there, and they're hysterical. <laughs> they're so funny, like they're so nineties. So I'm glad you brought up the Sega Channel just real quick because I've actually talked about it before, except I didn't. I was very bad on details when I brought it up. <laughs> okay. So if you remember months ago, at some point I brought up this game called uh, Mega Man: The Wily Wars. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I said it was on Sega's version of like uh, some satellite service, which I had no idea what I was really talking about. Yeah. It was, and it was, a, Sega, Sega, it was a Sega Channel. Oh, there you Satellaview. go. Okay. Yeah. Well, because I compared it to Nintendo's Satellaview, but yeah. what you said makes a lot more sense than what <laughs> I said. So uh, that's a shame I, that I never heard of that because I mean. I was a Genesis kid growing up and I, like I said, I bought the Sega CD. I totally bought into that. And I, the only thing I didn't buy was the, uh, I didn't buy the 32X because that yeah. seemed like a piece of garbage. It wasn't I, a big library for that. No, it had like a Star Wars game. I think like Rebel and Doom because something. Doom was on everything. Doom, yeah. Yeah. I never had either of those. I just only had, I only ever had the core Genesis. Yeah. So and even with I the never, core Genesis, yeah. I, I, uh, I actually only later in life learned that I missed out I must have not been getting a lot of like video game news because I missed out on so many of the classics. Like I'd never played Vector Man. Well, I never played living in Northern Alberta. <laughs> like any like any and you didn't Genesis even have the Castlevania. Sega <laughs> yeah, like the Sega Castlevania, like Comic Zone, all those kind of stuff that people remember. We never had any of those games. Like that's too bad. We we only seemed to buy things based on cover art. So we had a lot of like really nonsensical, weird games. Yeah, it's kind of that's a dangerous dangerous yeah. way to like pick your games. David Robinson's Supreme Court. Well, like <laughs> look that one up. <laughs> That Castlevania Supreme game would have been, <laughs> um, that Castlevania game would have been cool to grow up with because yeah. I think that that was an exclusive to, mm-hmm. to the Genesis right Bloodlines. Yeah. So. yeah. And speaking of Castlevania, <laughs> uh, that's my pick for this month. What Castlevania Three Dracula's Curse? So uh, we sort of talked about this game before. Yes. Uh, Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, or, you talked or about spooky it. month. Kamaju Densetsu. Yes. Uh, is as it was known in Japan. But in here in North America and in Europe, it was known as Dracula's Curse or Castlevania Three, And, of, of course, I'm picking the beginning music, Block 1, as it's called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is strange. But when they call things like Block 1 and Wave 1. Like, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wave kind of makes sense, like a wave of enemies. Yeah. I don't yeah. get Block, but yeah. anyway... The first block of the game. I don't know. Well, maybe it has to. I don't it's know. Like neighbor, it's it's yeah, Castlevania exactly. neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. and you're on the first block. Exactly. I'm fighting through like the Like it goes back to Double Dragon when everybody's a gang member on the streets. <laughs> on the block, yes. That makes sense. So, uh, obviously developed and published by Konami. And in North America, uh, particularly, which is the one I'm talking about, it hit in 1990, but it was a year earlier in Japan. Uh, and then the music was by Hidenori Maza. Uh, Ma Zawa. Come on, you got your friend to help you. I out. Had to my friend help me. Jun Fushihashi and Yuki. <laughs> sorry, Yuki Morimoto and Yoshinori Sasaki are the four composers. I might have just left all those names out when I had <laughs> talked about it. So. Yeah. So uh, the first one, Hidenori, um, he was the primary composer um, on both for both Japan and North America. Uh, and then Yoshinori was actually the person who did a lot of the conversion work because I think you talked about this, but just to go over it a little bit again, um, basically they added an extra chip to the Famicom version uh, called the VRC6 coprocessor. And it added three extra channels, two uh, pulse wave and one saw wave channel. And they used those channels in that version of the game uh, to... Uh, basically create like a synthesized string orchestra. Hmm. And um, when they brought it to North America, 
they replaced the VRC6 chip with the MMC5 chip, which actually has the capability of adding those audio channels back in, but the NES, like that chip could do it, but the NES couldn't read those extra yeah, channels. Yeah, less channels on the yeah. NES. Exactly. So they went from the standard five, which most games used, to an extra three in Japan and then brought it back to five in North America. Uh-huh. So, um, and then, yeah, like I said, it was Yoshinori Sasaki that had to um, kind of re-orchestrate the game and, and choose what yeah, to pick and what to, to leave say, in. Like, you had to like, I have to cut out this channel just to get my percussion back in. Exactly. Kind of stuff, so it was like, where do I take it and where do I swap it around? Yeah. So. Well, this game's a great example of comparing the North American to the Japanese versions of the soundtrack. Because there's, sure. there's a few games in the NES library where... Um, you know, you can hear the difference, the regional difference in the music. Yeah. <laughs> most, most of them don't, but this well, one does. It's like the original Legend of Zelda music um, on the Famicom. I don't like it. No. I've well, <laughs> and, that's, and that's my next point is I actually prefer, I think you were saying that you prefer the Japanese version. For this game, yeah. For this game. I don't. No. I still like the North American better. <laughs> I listen to both of them side by side, specifically for this song as well. Yeah. Um, I listened to both of them side by side last night. And uh, listen to both because I almost picked this song back in October. <laughs> I like the 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 Famicom by mile. It's good. Do you really? Yeah. I don't like it. It's like I don't know. It's like the it's like, like you know. It's like when you listen to a song and then they like do it live and they add a bunch of extra stuff to it and it's like too much. It's yeah. like no, I want the original. So that's that's just my opinion on this one. But let's have a listen to Block One from Castlevania Three. Castlevania 3 is a prequel to Castlevania 1 and 2. Yeah, so that's what I was going to get into. So it's a prequel, and it's more like 1 than yeah. it is like 2. Yeah. So it was kind of like they went back. So not only did they go back in time, they kind of went back in, tor- in terms of style. And uh, punishingly hard game. Well, and I don't know if you were just about to say this, but... I, I, and <laughs> probably. Fine, steal my thunder. <laughs> um, so the very first level of Castlevania 1... I believe it's Dracula's castle, right? You start off in his castle. Well, if you are familiar with the original Castlevania trilogy, the last level of Castlevania 3 is the first level of Castlevania 1. Yeah, it kind of all wraps around. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, they, like they use like a very similar look, like the wallpaper and everything <laughs> yeah. is the same. 
So um, some of the stuff about Castlevania Three, if you haven't played it, uh, there some of the differences of from it from the other games is there's branching paths. So there's multiple times that you come uh, to uh, you come to a path during the game and you can move around. <laughs> the guys are dead. You gotta get. I can't give a straight face. Uh, and the branching paths can actually lead to slightly different endings depending on which way you which way you go. And then the other thing is multiple characters, which obviously you talked about yeah. um, when you were talking about <laughs> the, the pirate. <laughs> the pirate. The, and uh, actually, one of the cool things is uh, between Japan and North America is in Japan, he throws daggers. Yeah. In but in North America, he, he just daggers. stabs. Oh. Well, he, <laughs> his, his, his default weapon is a small dagger, but he can pick up the same knives that... Um, that Belmont has, and he can throw them throw too. Them. Yeah, but I don't know if you're referring think, to the same ones or not. Well, I don't know. It just when I was watching it last night and remembering and stuff, it was right off the bat. He throws daggers. Okay, then it, there must, it must be different. Settle this yeah. by playing the game. We should <laughs> play it yeah. exactly because yeah, because there's every everyone knows there's the sub weapons. You get yeah. axes and knives to throw. So. Exactly and. I, I, it's funny that I've never played that game because I actually quite like the Castlevania series, even yeah, though you're really a big much, the much, much maligned uh, Castlevania 2. I'm, I'm very surprised to hear game. that you haven't played. This yeah. is this this game's sort of a badge of honor for me because it's considered one of the hardest mm. and I've been able to beat it. Yeah, it is. Oh, that's a challenge. It's a challenge. <laughs> it is definitely yeah. very difficult. Was it one of the ones that was included on the classic? No, I only two. one and two. two. Was one it one and two? Might have been one and two or just. But not three. One or two, yeah. I yeah. don't know. It's definitely wasn't three. We have to uh, actually. This is we can bring up that uh, thing you sent me the other week. Was that hackers actually broke into the code oh, and yeah. figured out ways to add to yeah. add and remove games? Mm-hmm. So basically, you have a limited amount of memory, but you can actually, yeah, if you have the ROMs, you can add games in and I, get that really, yeah, even really nice clean emulation everything. Yeah, yeah. It was it was tricky for them to hack into it. Um, interesting thing is the guy that actually hacked into it found a secret message in there. Did you read, did you read that? Okay, yeah. go, go for it. Go for it. Well, yeah, it was Captain, uh, what were the cards called? Hanafuna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Captain Hanafuna, like ha- he left a little message from Captain Hanafuna in the code s- saying like, please don't break me basically, yeah, which, is, <laughs> which is awesome considering the history of Nintendo, right? Exactly. I, yeah. I, I, from what I remember, it was something like, um, um, this was like an honor to create. So please, uh, please clean up after yourself or don't leave the place a mess or yeah, something, something like, like that. that yeah. <laughs> you know, just, it was, it was funny. It was, it was pretty funny. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, I guess if you wanted to play it that way, if you have a NES Classic, you can hack it up and put this game in there and then play it that way. But um, the other, one of the other differences was there was some nudity in the Japanese one. Oh, okay. And that obviously, we're playing obviously tonight <laughs> after the podcast. <laughs> that one obviously of my place. Yeah. didn't make its way to light, North America. Light some candles and play <laughs> some Akumaju Densetsu. And then <laughs> the other difference is uh, the help me code. Yeah. Um, which gives you 10 extra lives right off the bat. Um, That's how I beat the game. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> there was access. You could get access right off the bat to the more difficult second quest and the option to start the game with any one of the three uh, spirit partners. Well, screw so, that. It needs to be the Konami code and give you 30 extra lives uh, Contra style. So here's an interesting thing. I, so when I played the game as a kid, that yeah. speaking of the first level, there's a candle in the first level that's unreachable. Okay. No way to reach it. And it wasn't until I re- realized the, uh, the secondary characters that you can pick up along the way. Yeah. Had the ability to fly and yeah, climb. Exactly. I made it my mission to beat the game, not just to beat the game to get that candle, but <laughs> to come back 
And, uh, and I actually, I don't think I even knew at the time that if I beat the game, I got to bring the character back with me for a second round. But once I did, that was my mission was to find that unreachable candle and climb up there and, and finally get it. And if I recall correctly, there wasn't anything special inside of it. And it was <laughs> a, huge, like a heart, hooray. Huge disappointment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's too bad. Yeah. They should have like actually made it cool. Did yeah. uh, Castlevania 3 have a save system or password? Yeah, or what was yeah there was it? a password so was actually, system. Was password system. So there wasn't no like Not a true save though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then um, in terms of its uh, legacy, uh, Nintendo Power listed it as the ninth best NES game ever. And IGN placed it fifth on their top 100. Hmm. So pretty well remembered, even if it wasn't, you know, even if it isn't the star of Castlevania games, um, definitely a well-remembered game. All right, let's hurry this up so I can go home and play that. <laughs> well, I'm done, so <laughs> go ahead, Jared. Well, <laughs> speaking of Nintendo Power, I'm going to talk about 1989's Nintendo Power Game of the Year. There you go. <laughs> Nobody knows what this game is. They're probably thinking it's a Mario game. It's not. So I'm going to preface um, with a story rather than just jumping in. Suspense. It was probably my seventh or eighth birthday. I already told Aaron this story (laughs) earlier today. I can't guess. Um, Seventh or eighth birthday. I'm born on Halloween. So I, my mom asked me to come home for lunch that day because it was my birthday. Come home for some, uh, a pizza lunch. I was dressed up as a Ninja Turtle because I dressed up as a Ninja Turtle for probably 10 years of my life. <laughs> and that wasn't up. just Halloween either. That was all the time. <laughs> this was, yeah. yeah. If I didn't say this was the middle of winter. So, uh, come home at lunch, uh, dressed as Raphael, have some pizza for lunch. And I opened my first present and you probably already know <laughs> I got a Ninja Turtle video game. And since we just finished talking about Konami, let's continue. And I'm going to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game. And the name of the game is actually the arcade game. If you're playing the original arcade version, it's just called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. And if you're playing because it wasn't a sequel to anything. Well, exactly. And then when it came out, the port came out on Nintendo um, a year later. So the so the arcade came out in 89. The NES port came out in 1990. Um, when it came out on NES, it became the sequel because there was already a Ninja Turtle game that uh, actually that was the game. That was the game that uh, Nintendo Power called Game of the Year in 1989. Number two? Number one. Oh, oh so no, they one. called the original Ninja Turtles Game of the Year? I know. What? <laughs> I am baffled. <laughs> you know what? Despite what everyone thinks, a rough year. I love that damn level. But here, here's the thing. Here's the, I love, <laughs> I love that damn damn level. <laughs> um, the thing is, that game was good in at the time, and then games just got better. Because <laughs> what could you say? That was the first Ninja Turtle game ever, and well, you could yeah, play as maybe all f- if you're talking about just Ninja Turtle games. Maybe like it was the best at the time, but there were no other Ninja Turtle games to compare it to. Well, but it wasn't a great made game, it the best. <laughs> even at the time by game standards. Like, That's true. It's fundamentally yeah. There was a lot of but, stuff that came out. When around this, 88, 89. So. Yeah. yeah, and they really, they were making the first Ninja Turtle game, so it could have been anything. They decided to go with a platformer, which was a bad decision. But then this game came out. TMNT 2, the arcade game, was the official NES uh, name. And um, and they changed the genre. It became a, uh, well, the arcade was a four-player beat-em-up, and the NES port was a two-player beat-em-up. 
And um, I would say it was a pretty successful follow-up to the original. And this was sort of the um, the genre, the theme that they went with for the next couple of generations. So, you know, we all know there was Turtles in Time. There was also one in between that they called uh, Turtles 3, The Manhattan Project. That came out a couple of years later on Nintendo. What about 1990's <laughs> Fall of the Foot Clan for Game Boy? You're not going to talk about that? <laughs> no. no love? Nah. Uh, nobody loves that game. Except How about Hyperstone Heist? <laughs> and then, of course, yeah, you know what? Yeah, we'll have to talk. We'll have to compare Hyperstone Heist and uh, um, Turtles well, in Time sometime. I've already talked about Hyperstone Heist yeah, on the podcast, but it would be it would be fun to talk about the two because I've like playing it at your house. I realize how very different the two games are. So it's how a, superior the Genesis version oh, is. I don't know. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing: the Super Nintendo version is like a replica of the arcade version. Yeah. And Hyperstone Heist. Well, and and it makes sense. They're the same name, but then Hyperstone Heist is almost like a totally different game. With it's it's almost like comparing Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. It's like they took the assets and just made a new game out of it. Sort of. Yeah. Kind of. They kind of just it'd be more like if you'd like. I don't know, took a deck of cards and shuffled it because <laughs> that's kind of what I well, was. Kind of, but I, I recall there was like a different boss in one of the levels. Yeah, and they well, were, and the they bosses were, are all mixed up. Some of them are different. And some don't even. Music doesn't, is different well, across the levels. And and when I played, uh, when I played at your place, it was like level three and I encountered the first boss of the game and I was like, where's the level one boss? Where's the level two boss? And then yeah. level three and it's not even the boss that I was expecting. So yeah, it's, it's more than up. just a shuffle. It's like, yeah, a couple of <laughs> cards flew under the couch too. <laughs> um, so let's get back on topic with level one. In this game, it's called scene one, fire. We got to get April out. <laughs> so the game starts um, with- That's all, a long name for a, t- for a level. Well, it's, uh, they call it scene, right? So yeah. I guess like- uh, It's like a movie. It's like a movie. So every scene has a like a title or a, yeah. or, um, a description or some dialogue of some kind. All I can so, hear in my head right now is the uh, Turtles in Time or Hyperstone High Sky. Big Apple, 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> when you mention this, all I can hear is, who put the lights out? Yeah, when he uh, falls in the sewer or yeah. falls off a cliff. Or, I mean, obviously, the NES version didn't have any sampled speech. No, but they had speech bubbles. They had text. speech bubbles, yeah. And But, of course, in the original arcade version, they actually had sampled audio, which was awesome because, to this day, me and many people I know quote, Shredder and the Turtles from that game. So. Oh, yeah. There's so many great voice samples. Yeah. And the arcade version had all of them, and uh, the NES port had none of them. But they made up for it with speech bubbles and text and mm. cutscenes, and they were all right. Um, so the opening, the opening cutscene actually shows all four Turtles and Splinter on the rooftop, and they're looking down at April's apartment, and it's on fire. So all the Turtles jump in, and if you're playing the arcade game, this is where the actual theme song of the TV show plays. And then you land inside the burning building and then you realize the whole building's on fire. The floor's on fire. The ceiling's on fire. There's um, chunks of ceiling falling down on you. Um, I think some of the most creative like beat em up style action where you have like foot soldiers that like come out of like burning rooms and like come running down <laughs> so, the stairs. This place is on fire. Why the hell is it full of the Foot Clan? Like every room, every hallway. Well, they know the turtles clan. are going to be yeah. there. <laughs> they set the place on fire as a trap to yeah. lure the turtles, right? And of course, April can't get out because it's too late. And also, the Foot Clan has never shown much. No, they're not self-preservation. <laughs> well, they're in the in in the animated series. They're all robots, right? So they're yeah. just doing what they're told. They're just cannon fodder, essentially. But doesn't at the end of that level, like Bebop, like drill into the through the floor yeah it's uh <laughs> and it, so when you get through the main hall like the main hallway and you i guess maybe enter april's apartment um uh yeah the module is i think is what it's called it drills up through the ground and opens up elevator style and it's actually rock steady comes steady. out 
and then he starts running at you and shooting at you. And yeah, it's it's a pretty cool fight. April's in the background. She's screaming for help. And then after you defeat Rocksteady, then Shredder like comes out of the shadows from out of the module and he grabs her, jumps through the window. You hear the glass shatter. And then you go to a really cool cut scene where it's like you, you're like at the street level looking up at the building. And like Shredder and April are flying at the camera and all the Ninja Turtles are like in the distance, like in midair coming after him and then <laughs> off to level two. I like the thought of Shredder hiding in that little drill for that whole fight, just peering through the window, yeah. waiting for his moment to pop out. <laughs> he's like yeah. hiding, yeah, waiting for Rocksteady to lose. And then he's like, all right, got to do it myself. <laughs> so on that note, let's listen to the first track of the game. Scene one, fire, we got to get April out. should have mentioned that that was the arcade version we listened to yeah. um, a few differences between the arcade and the NES port. The, uh, the NES levels actually were extended. They were a little bit longer than the arcade versions. 
Oh, that's cool. Which I that's, think for this, that's pretty rare. For the sake of your quarters, it's probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. Um, the NES version also had two extra levels. There was a snow level, uh, which actually I think tied into the cartoon because there was like this weather machine that uh, created this, like turned New York to winter in the middle of summer. And I think that was part of the game. And then there's like this... Um, Japanese temple later on that makes no sense at all. Like this is like, if you're playing the arcade version, the moment where you actually approach the Technodrome in the NES port, they just sort of slid in this like Japanese temple that doesn't really fit continuity wise with the story. <laughs> As a kid, I never really Maybe picked up on like it. the Japanese village in New York or yeah, something. <laughs> I have no idea. Like he jumped, they, they jump up this elevator shaft and they end up in a Japanese temple and then they drop back down again and then they're at the Technodrome. So, <laughs> so they just jumped through the earth and like, uh, pretty yeah. much like, hey, I, you don't know how big that elevator shaft is. <laughs> so one of the more interesting uh, notes about the differences between the two um, so we talked about the first level and all the, um, the apartment burning down. Well, one thing that April's apartment complex has that you don't see too often in apartment buildings these days is advertisements for Pizza Hut all <laughs> over the walls. <laughs> this is an awesome. appearance by the Noid from uh, Yo he, Noid. No, that was, uh, that was Domino's. That, Domino's? Yeah. Rival, rival pizza. Um, well, Domino's or uh, Yonoid got a game on yeah, Nintendo. Yeah, he had his own very own game, so but, he didn't need to be in Turtles. But there was like a huge crossover promotion with Pizza Hut and Ninja Turtles in this time. Like they they promoted the coming out of your shell pizza tour, the the rock concerts where the do you guys know this where the yes. Ninja Turtles went out and they performed live concerts coming out. It was called the coming out of our shell tour. So there was like guys in in Ninja like Turtle full suits. out Ninja Turtle costumes that were maybe half as good as the, the movie, movie costumes, okay. like definitely like high level cosplay type stuff. Yeah. But they were like also sort of glammed out a bit in like eighties, nineties, like, <laughs> like leather rock, jackets. Well, and- yeah. Kind of like the flashy, like surfer pants and like jackets okay. and stuff. And they, they had these like crazy guitars. And, um, of course it was all like, uh, recorded beforehand, but they just went out and like would choreograph, like singing, dancing and fighting the shredder all within a live <laughs> rock concert. Sounds amazing. As, at the height of turtles fan, like its popularity when things just went like crazy over the top and everything was tied into turtles. One thing that I always think of is they had this product. It was like an ice cream bar or something like that. And the turtles would talk about these ice cream bars and they always, the jingle in the commercial was fresh from the sewers to you. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. for a food product. Yeah. Cause yeah. I want to eat yeah. ice cream from the sewer. That right? doesn't sound, that doesn't sound fresh at all. <laughs> fresh from the sewers to you. That's hilarious. But uh pizza hut, uh, tied into the Ninja Trolls, it just made sense. It was like a uh, some co-collaboration that was just made to be because like like it wasn't just uh, level one in the NES game. There was like you would be like walking through like um, like a city and there'd be like Pizza Hut signs. There'd be like a truck that said Pizza Hut. <laughs> I love a world where only Pizza Hut is the only product yeah. that exists. Oh, yeah. But That's you were all. saying it was in April O'Neil's apartment that yeah, she had? Yeah, so when you're walking down the <laughs> so hallways. She, April O'Neil is like the biggest Pizza yeah, Hut Yeah, she's like the big Pizza Hut supporter. So <laughs> like you're walking down the halls, the building's burning, the roof is collapsing. There's Somehow pe- the posters so, didn't burn and, up. And yeah, apartment yeah. building with ads for Pizza Hut on the walls. Essentially. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they had to make that sure make that my apartment building more fun. That's all yeah. I'm saying. They had to make sure that if people are only going to play the first level, that they get their money's worth, right? Yeah. So Pizza Hut everywhere. And so um, one of the big things I remember when I got this game as a gift on my birthday was um, there was a I think a coupon for a free small pizza, <laughs> a personal pan, a pizza? Per- yeah, there's probably a per- <laughs> personal pan pizza from. Uh, from the game, it was in the instruction book. So I think I, I cashed that in probably that same night. <laughs> so pizza, Ninja Turtles, it's a it's a good combo. Probably worth money as a collectible nowadays. 
Yeah. I'm sure those are on eBay somewhere. I have, uh, actually my mom gave me a gift a few years back. It was, um, an unopened, unwrapped VHS cassette tape. And it was from the first Ninja Turtles movie. And there's a little sticker on it that says, um, 25% off or $5 off or something, a small or a, a medium personal, personal pan, pan pizza. <laughs> it's always going to be personal pan yeah, pizza. Yeah. And I just laughed. You're I'm dining like, alone. there was a, the original, the original, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, <laughs> you're probably awesome. right. Cause you're buying Ninja Turtles games. <laughs> <laughs> the original stickers on the VHS tape too. It was originally priced for 26 99. Wow. And then the, uh, the $5 off pizza coupon, which was kind of, uh, In, with like inflation. Yeah. It's probably like a $50 I d- VHS. I just love that. Like I, I still have it unwrapped cause I think that's like more interesting than the VHS tape itself is the fact that those stickers are still on there. Yeah. Um, last thing I want to mention was, uh, we talked about the Konami code. Well, yep. there was a Konami code in this game. And for me, this was my first time being introduced to the Konami code. My cousin showed me this and, uh, if, if any of you remember trying to do a Konami code back in the day, mm-hmm. like that, like you needed skill because you had to do before it, the title screen landed. Yeah. Like every Konami game was like, you had to input the sequence of buttons and the Konami, Konami comes were a little bit different on each game and you had to do it before like a very specific moment. So you had to be lightning quick. And for me, that was hard. Doing the code was harder than, uh, beating the game, but <laughs> Once I was able to do the code, like, I think I have it like tattooed in my brain right now, like since I was a kid. So I actually wrote it down in my notes just so I wouldn't forget. Cause obviously I'm going to forget it as I'm recording, but I looked it up just to make sure. And I, I totally nailed it. I still remember the code. It was B A B A up, down, B A left, right, B A start. And is, is that the, that's no, not, not the regular, that's one. not it's the up, con- up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B A start. Yeah. That's, that's the one that I everybody thought. talks about. That's the, that's the contra one. That's, that's the contra yeah. one. But a lot of Konami games, they had variations of the Konami code. They just oh. call it the Konami code. Yeah. But, uh, that was the one that was used in Ninja Turtles. And, um, I think you, when you talked about Gradius, you mentioned yeah. it was the first time they ever used the Konami code. Yeah. It was like when it, when it started being called the Konami code was yeah. Gradius. Yeah. But the code that I like to use is when you're at the start menu at the main menu, you hit start. <laughs> so that's yeah. how good. No I code. Am. Good code. <laughs> no code. Yeah. That's it. That's my talk about Ninja Turtles. Yeah. All right. Cowabunga. <laughs> Fresh from the sewers to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. Our podcast is brought to you by Pizza Hut. Yeah. <laughs> here's 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 the thing that I didn't have this written down, but I'm totally remembering this now. The theme song in the arcades to Turtles in Time was called Pizza Power, and it was one of the songs that they performed uh, on the Coming Out of Your Shell tour. So if, you, awesome. if you've if you've ever played the arcade uh, Turtles in Time, the theme song, and actually the Super Nintendo port has um, a version without lyrics. So if you know the theme song of Turtles in Time, or sorry, Turtles in Time, it's like the the high score menu, but oh, in the okay. arcade game, it's uh, Pizza Power, something something, <laughs> flying saucers in the sky. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> it's dumb as dumb as hell, but that's from the coming out of your shell yeah. tour, which is. Don't, don't look that up. Uh, right, on the coming look. out of your shell tour, a little known fact is that Donatello was actually played by Tommy Tallarico for his guitar solo. <laughs> was he? No. I <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> you should have just left that in. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Anyway, so Jordan, uh, what have you been playing? Oh, man. Okay, so I've been... Um, I Recently, um, as far as games that I've probably played enough to talk about, I've been playing this game called The Deer God. D E E R the dear God. And you actually it's, so it's a game I've been playing on steam. I believe it was like, um, 
what you, you probably know better than I do when a game is greenlit on Steam. Oh yeah, Steam is Greenlight. That, <laughs> is that what it's called? Yeah. It's actually called Steam Greenlight. Okay, so this was a game that uh, made its way out via the Steam Greenlight. Um, it's uh, a pixel. It's like one of those pixel 3D-esque sort of... Uh, like a Super Brothers kind of thing. Exactly, yeah. Um, you play as a deer. So actually, the, the backstory real quick is you play as a hunter shooting deer, like hunting deer, and through an accident, you actually uh, you get attacked by a wolf and die, and then you're reincarnated by the deer god, and you're oh. reincarnated as a deer okay. to learn <laughs> life lessons on like whether it's uh, appropriate for you as that in your previous life, uh, all the all the decisions you made, if that was an appropriate way to be living. So you play through the game as the deer god or as the deer, and you uh, it's a it's like a, a platformer. <laughs> it's it's bizarre, but it's an, so you start off as a baby deer, and. Um, there's a day night cycle. So as, and, and it also, there's no levels or stages. It's just one long endless game. So the day night cycle repeats endless. endless. It actually goes like I've played there, over a hundred. No, there's no finishing state for the deer. Well, guy. I beat the game yeah. and it keeps going. So I, so like spoiler alert, um, when you beat the game, it's a, sh it's a short game, so I don't feel like it's that much of a spoiler, but it's, it's interesting when you beat the game, you're brought back by the dear God into the afterlife. And they ask you, do you want to go back to your original life and be reborn as a human? Or do you want to continue living as a deer? So I played through the game both times. So when you uh, choose to come back as a human, the game just restarts. So you go back to being a hunter, you shoot another deer, and you get you die. Can you, can you this just is not the original plot of Walt Disney's Bambi, by the way. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bambi's mom makes yeah. an appearance, and yeah. yeah. Um, when you continue playing as the deer god, the game just continues. So I've, I think I beat the game at like day 60, and I got to... I, I think I'm currently at day 100 right now, and it's it just keeps going and so going. So it's worth playing after you've beaten it. There's, yeah, well, especially if you're like um, an achievement hunter, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of like easy and fun objectives that sometimes you need to keep playing past the time you've beat the game to, to unlock. But it's just, it's neat. There's like a karma meter. So you decide whether you're going to be a good or bad deer based on what animals <laughs> you come across in the forest and you hunt. And what like, what the hell does a bad deer do? So a bad deer, a, a, bad, <laughs> a bad deer. So the deer god deems some animals good and some evil. So when you kill certain animals, like they, like they burst into like either red smoke or blue smoke, depending on good or evil. So a bad deer would like kill other deer. It would kill bunny rabbits and gophers and the cute little friendly animals. And then if a you're a badass deer, that would be a bad, a bad thing to do. And so if you want to do the good thing, you kill like big, big, scary grizzly bears and wolves. And it's just, <laughs> it's so the re so it sounds so this, this game was made by a vegetarian. So this deer <laughs> is killing like the apex predators of the forest and that's good. Well, so you, so yeah, uh, cause I, they're bad cause they kill other things. <laughs> so I don't know if I mentioned, so as the day night cycle progresses, you go from a baby deer and you actually grow through stages. So you become like a, a teenage deer, you know, a young adult deer and then an old <laughs> man deer. Teenage deer. <laughs> Full Some of emo deer. Emo. Yeah. Um, so, it's neat because you can literally see the deer growing as you play through the game and the decisions you make will uh, determine whether or not you're a good or bad deer. And the more good or more evil you are, the more abilities you acquire and you're granted powers by the elder deer gods. You get like the ability to shoot fireballs from your antlers and stuff like that. <laughs> and yeah, it's so, so the main reason I like the game and I ended up playing it far longer than I should have is that it's a really calming, relaxing game. It's super atmospheric and, um, so very super brothers. 
Well, That's yeah, it's like yeah. if you're looking for a game that you don't want too much of a challenge, but you want to and just sort of like kick back, relax, um, do a little bit of grinding. Like it's super fun. But if you're looking for like a challenge or something that's like there, there's a lot of puzzle elements in the game that are fun, but I wouldn't recommend it as like um, if you're looking for something with a lot of like a twitchy action kind of thing. It's not that. Yeah, no. And more, so if you're a Halo, if you're a Halo or Call of Duty guy, maybe not your game. Yeah. <laughs> it, like I, it was just something I play in between games because it's easy to pick up and play really relaxing, amazing soundtrack. Actually, I tried to find the soundtrack online and I couldn't. Oh, and people actually like had posted the um, composer's email. Actually, it was the composer posted his email and he's like, if anyone wants a soundtrack, just email me. So I emailed him and I'm like, um, where can I buy the soundtrack? And he's like, he sent me a Dropbox link. He's like, he didn't even give me like um, a place to send money. He's like, here's here's a folder. And everything was like, dear God, one, dear God, two, dear God, three. It's funny. It's like, God you know, four. he even didn't have like a Bandcamp page. Where no. It's like a pay what you want well, kind of scheme or something. He did, like but it wasn't uh, functioning for some reason. I think he took hmm. it down or he's in the middle of restructuring. Um, so really cool guy. He just gave it to me for free. So if he ever Did he write you anything or was he just like, <laughs> he sent me a link. message. Yeah. Okay. He, well, Cause obviously I wasn't like, where can I buy it? Like I said, yeah. a few things like really like the game, great soundtrack, blah, 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 you know, just, um, so then he responded and we were sort of chatting back and forth a bit. Um, and he told me about an upcoming game that he's working on. So of course, you know, if I'm looking to try something else and like his music, I might go check out the game at some point. So that's cool. Yeah. Dear God, All the, right. the dear God. All right, so the Deer God just got added to the contest for this oh. month. Uh, and then along with that is Overcooked, which I talked about last time, and... Sonic Adventure 2. Sonic Adventure 2, yep. Was that it? <laughs> Why haven't you done a game? I did do a game, didn't I? What was I talking about? Dying Light? Chances are I probably talked about a game that was like a full price game that we're like, no, we can't buy anybody that. <laughs> yes, that is right. <laughs> yeah. That is right, you did. Did, and then that's why we added Sonic Adventure <laughs> yeah. 2. All right, there we go. All right. I would play expensive I'm games. Go, that's yeah, the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money bags, blow <laughs> is what we like to call. But um, yeah, so our giveaway games are Sonic Adventure 2, Overcooked, and Dear God. And uh, to enter that contest, same as always, click that retweet button on any of the three tweets that come out on the VGM Generations uh, Twitter page. One for SoundCloud, one for iTunes, one for Google Play. For the extra entry, leave us a review on iTunes or a comment on SoundCloud. Super easy. Odds are as good as one and one. <laughs> I need I need some new spiel points for this one. But anyway, yeah. So if you uh, if you want to play any of those three games and you don't want to pay any money, just click retweet and it's super easy. So that is it for this episode of the podcast, and we will catch you next week.